Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expect a Miracle podcast with Richard Roberts. And I'm Richard Roberts, your host, and so glad you could join me today with a very, very special guest. Some of you have heard my own testimony of how I gave my heart to the Lord back in October of 1968 when I was a college student. Well, I've got news. I have shared this testimony all over the world, how after I gave my heart to the Lord, I went into the room of a young man who lived across the hall in the same dormitory and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That young man was Paul Craig Pano, Reverend Paul Craig Pano. He and I have been friends for how long, Paul? 250 years or so. Anyway, Paul Craig is my very special guest. He's uh, today up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where he lives. And Paul, welcome to this podcast, Reverend Paul Pano. Richard, I am so honored, man. This is, this is a highlight of my life to be with you on this program. Uh, well, I don't know about the highlight, but it's certainly a light. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Paul, the, the Pano family and the Roberts family have been very close for all these years. Of course, your dad, uh, Paul E. Pano, and my dad, Oral Roberts, were very close friends and associates for a number of years before your dad went home to be with the Lord and uh, before mine went home to be with the Lord. I just want to thank you for the long association between the Roberts and the Panos. Richard, the memories are so, um, so vivid and so cherished. Going clear back to um, the 50s, uh, one of the first contacts that our dads had with one another was when your, when your father had a crusade in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And um, my, my dad sat on the, the pastoral group there. And when your, your father and my father met, they talked about doing a crusade in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. And in, in uh, 1955, your father came to Fort Wayne. One of the funny things about that was we had one auditorium in Fort Wayne, seated about 3,000 people. It was the largest auditorium in the whole county. And um, dad arranged to, um, to rent that, that building. He went to the sheriff and said, we're having a meeting at this auditorium and you better have some police out there to handle <laughs> the crowds. And the sheriff said, no, it'll, it'll, it'll be okay. And the crusade was set for Sunday afternoon. And at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, people were lined up for <laughs> blocks waiting to get in, causing traffic jams. And that was that was uh, the first the first uh, crusade that uh, really touched the city of Fort Wayne with your father. Well, you grew up you grew up under your dad's ministry the way that I grew up under my dad's ministry. We have so many similarities, and I'll never forget that that day that you were having a prayer meeting in your room. And of course, I remember you had invited me into that prayer group a number of times. Uh, I had only given my heart to the Lord that afternoon in my parents' home. And when I came into that room, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, for the first time in my life. And I, 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 re- I not only remember that, but I thank you because you, you helped plant that seed into my life that literally, and that's when my life was turned around that day. Well, Richard, um, we've grown up with this understanding and awareness, but oftentimes we take it for granted that with God's children, there are no accidents. There are just divine arrangements. And when we go back to those days of, of going to school, uh, we're, we're, I hope I'm not going uh, too much into our, our, 
our history together. <laughs> but we we both really uh, we were both there um, not because we really wanted to be there initially. That's we were right. There, and um, but but God arranged that and did the transformation in our lives individually, but together. Mm-hmm. And and revolutionized our, our walk with Jesus and our walk with our families. Yeah. And um, of course, you know, I, I I want to share this because of the of the intersection of our relationships as families. My brother, when he was this was in nineteen um, nineteen fifty six. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother had a heart murmur, and was confined to bed. And on Sundays, when we would go to church, we'd have have to bring a nurse in to uh, take care of, of my brother while we were were gone. And he could not get out of bed. He was not allowed out of bed. Mm-hmm. We came home after services on Sunday morning, and my brother was out of bed. And my dad said, son, what are you doing not being in bed? And my brother Phil said, well, dad, uh, I got healed. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I watched brother Roberts on TV. (laughs) And at the end of the program, he said, he looked right at me. And he said, little boy, God is healing your heart right now. He said, he talked to me. He -hmm. told me that. And that faith, you know, action, my dad said, well, son, Let's get back in bed, and first thing tomorrow morning, we'll call the doctor and go and make arrangements for him to confirm that. Mm-hmm. And Richard, um, we did. They ran the tests. They took the x-rays, and um, my brother was miraculously healed Thank God. through the Roberts ministry on television in 1956. Well, that's such a wonderful testimony, Paul. Um, I also remember something else. At that time, as you will recall, when we were there in college and I gave my heart to the Lord, that was the time that my father was going back on primetime television. And I was in the midst of helping him to put together a singing group, which uh, later became known as the World Action Singers. How it actually happened was he sent me up to New York City to see a performance group by the, that was called Up With People. And they were performing in Carnegie Hall, and I went to see them, and I saw these young men and young women. They were dressed sharp, they were singing, and they were doing choreography. And uh, so I came home and built, of course, that was a no-no in those days in the church. And uh, I I came home and and said, Dad, I can put together a group like this. And we did, and you were a member, after about a year or so, you were a member of that group uh, doing television specials with us in, in places. Well, I think you were a part of the special we did in Japan. And I think yes. you were a part of the special we did in Hawaii, as I recall, as well as numerous Sunday morning programs. So you cut your teeth in television just like I did. Oh, there's no question. <laughs> and that was that was so cutting edge when your father and you came up with the idea of we're not going to do a Sunday morning service. We're going to prime time. That was unheard of. Nobody ever done before. Nobody. And they were and criticizing then, us like it was going out of style, but they were all watching us. <laughs> all watching. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But uh, criticism is like our middle name. Yeah. Um, 
both our families and of course to the huge degree that that you and your family experienced it you know we experienced it because back in those in those days of the of the 50s and the 60s um to do things like television prime time and having these these um stars yes. these hollywood stars to come on and to watch the interaction with you and your dad and Jerry Lewis, and we can go on and on and on with all of the, of the people that came on and were used of the Lord to touch multiplied thousands of people. Paul, you served as a pastor for many, many years, but then the Lord led you into a new arena uh, having to do with the nation of Israel. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to explain uh, how that started and, and, uh, and what's going on now in that, because I know Israel is very close to your heart and I, I know that you're deeply involved. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? Well, Richard, thank you. Um, this past, last year, this past September, um, I celebrated 50 years of pastoral ministry. I need, I need a wheelchair or something. <laughs> we'll get you a walker. <laughs> a walker this time. Um, but again, going back historically, because um, I am a third, I am a third generation Pentecostal pastor. Mm -hmm. My grandparents in the turn of the century had a little tent, not like the old Roberts tent, but a little tent that seated maybe 50, 75 people. And they traveled all around Indiana, Ohio, um, Michigan, Illinois. And um, over, over that time of traveling, they started over 200 churches that um, came out of those little tent meetings. They go home, build a tent, have a, have a meeting. Enough people got, got saved that they started a storefront church. And in those days, which was in the, in the 20s, my grandfather was prophesying from the scripture that the day was coming when Israel would become a nation, that they would become a nation, mm -hmm. and that that would be an indicator of the last days. Well, you know as well or better than I that in 1948, yes. that was no longer a prophecy. That became a fulfilled prophecy. That's right. And um, the first, my father and mother went to Israel for the first time in 1960. When was the first time your dad went? Do you remember? It was in the 50s, in the 1950s. Yes. And um, they, they went, started taking congregants uh, almost every year. So I grew up with, you know, Israel as um, the love of Israel and the understanding of the, of the fulfillment of prophecy that comes through Israel, God's people. You know, we take the word chosen and some people stumble over that saying, mm -hmm. well, why does that mean he's chosen them? I mean, that's, that's, uh, um, uh, you know, a violation of equality. He's, he's, uh, lifted them up. No, the word chosen just means purpose. Mm -hmm. You and I are chosen sure, because God has a purpose, a specific purpose for us. And, and that's the, the chosen part of it. And, um, so every year I went, I went, um, in 1965, my first time to go to Israel. And, uh, if, if people that are listening have never been to Israel, I understand that Lord willing, they're going to be opening Israel up this summer again. Yes. And um, if you've never been to Israel, you need to go. 
it makes your Bible come alive. Um, it, it's a tremendous experience. And um, I'll, I'll give you the side, the side story. I um, have been serving as an overseer of our fellowship of churches. There are over 6,000 churches worldwide that are part of CMI Global, mm-hmm. um, which is the fellowship you know so well. Yes. You came several times and yes. ministered to our, to our conference. And um, I was serving as the general overseer. This is, this is 13, well, in fact, 14 years ago. And one of my former staff members who had gone to Chicago, uh, he had been with me on several trips to Israel, and he became affiliated with the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, mm-hmm. an organization that uh, I know you know very well, started by uh, Rabbi Yaquil Eckstein. Yes. Uh, who is uh, an Orthodox Jew who had a, he felt a God-given uh, vision to be a part of building a bridge uh, between Christians and Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, that the majority of persecution that, that the Jewish people have been under for centuries was at the hands of Christians. Or so-called Christians. So-called Christians. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have uh, in my in my library, right? I'm looking at it. Um, this shocks people. There is a, a book written by Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, Martin Luther, yes. the reformer, the yes. great reformer, the great Lutheran <laughs> reformer, wrote a book um, in German mandating that, that Germany expel all of the Jews mm-hmm. from Germany because they were a curse. And so um, Rabbi started this ministry um, nearly 40 years ago. And um, I got a call from my former associate and he said, um, Paul, they're looking for someone who would be open to um, representing the fellowship at various pastoral conferences, ministers, seminars and things. And um if you find someone that would be interested, have them contact us. And I mm-hmm. said, well, Jerry, I'll, I'll do that. I hung up the phone and had one of those rare experiences that you, you know all about all too well. I hung the phone up and it was a God moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I knew it was here. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, that's you. And so I met with Rabbi Eckstein and uh, make a long story short as a result of it. I became affiliated with um, their ministry, and for 14 years, uh, I've been serving them. Now, let me give you, do I have a moment for a little story? Absolutely. Okay. My wife and I had just come back from taking 150 people to Israel, and uh, this this is uh, now 12 years ago, Thanksgiving, and um, we we got back home a couple of days before Thanksgiving. And on Thanksgiving Day, uh, our family, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. The children go to other family members that we have our Thanksgiving on on Friday. Mm-hmm. So on Thanksgiving, my wife and I and my son were uh, making plans to go to a movie. And um, we were h- here in the house. And my wife was calling her family who live in Wyoming. And um, I walked in where she was. I had no symptoms, um, Richard, at all. I just walked in and I said, sweetheart, I feel a little dizzy. Mm-hmm. 
And the next thing, I went into a grand mall seizure. Um, thank God that you know we were home. My wife is in the medical field, and she yelled to my son. They called the EMS. The EMS rushed me to the hospital and um, found out that I had a brain tumor. And um, the doctor said, as soon as you are physically able, we need to go in and and um, deal with that tumor. Now, this is, this it, is life-threatening. Absolutely. Yes, yes. While I was in the emergency room and the doctors were running the test, I had a second grand mal seizure. And um, it was quite devastating at that point. Well, that was on Thanksgiving Day. It was on uh, December the 18th that the surgeons came into the intensive care room and they said, uh, Mr. Pano, we cannot wait any longer. Mm-hmm. Um, your strength is not what we want it to be, but we can't wait. And tomorrow morning, we're going to have this procedure. It's going to be um, about 11 to 12 hour procedure. And we want you to know that because of the location of the, of the tumor, um, there are some probabilities and some possibilities. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the possibilities, I could lose some of my vision. Um, I could lose some of my hearing. Um, I could lose some of my speech and um, could lose some of my of my strength on, on the right side mm-hmm. tumors on the left side um of course that did not bring peace no there was you know there was um there was some fear that was there and um the family we had prayer together and i said listen you all go home because um you need to get your rest because you're gonna have to take care of me mm-hmm when I've come through this. So I was in the room, Richard alone. Someone had turned the TV on that was on the wall in this intensive care room. And it was on CNN and they were playing Larry King. They were doing a replay of an interview that Larry King had with, are you ready? Uh-huh. With Oral Roberts. <laughs> And your father was, as he, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked, but you know, your your father was um, um, an apostle outside the box. Um, He he was so used of God. There was a there was a time when, in in particularly in our stream of of the evangelical movement, where. if you got sick, it was either because of, of sin mm-hmm. in your life um, or a lack of faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, you did not go to doctors because that was, you were, that was against your faith. Showing your lack, your lack of faith, yes. And your father, uh, in his, his prophetic apostolic gifting, um, brought that miraculous, marvelous revelation that medical science and prayer and faith are not enemies, but they are hand in hand. And so he was sharing that with with Larry, talking about that that the, the word talks about the leaves of the trees are for the healings of the nations. Right. 
most of our medicines come from plants. God's creation from plants. And of course, you know, you and I grew up hearing that. Sure. But here it is, uh, and he's giving it to Larry. And Richard, while he was sharing that, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to demonstrate that in your life. Wow. Praise God. The doctors are going to do what they can do. And when they're done, I'll do what I can do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little Italian, so I, I get emotional sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, you can talk about something, but you can talk all you want, but until you experience what it, happens to you, you. Don't, you don't really know it. And talking about peace and, and, and talking about assurance, but until you experience it, you really don't understand it. And when that came from your father and the Lord confirmed that in my heart, a peace came over me. And six o'clock the next morning, they came. 11 and a half hours later, I was um, in recovery. And Richard, when I came out of the anesthetic and was able to come to myself, I want you to know that I lost no vision. I lost no hearing. I lost no strength. My speech, I'm sorry, uh, I can't blame the surgery <laughs> on my speech. That's just the way it is. You're talking pretty good. <laughs> that was that was on the 19th of December. Mm-hmm. On the 23rd of December, I was home, and I celebrated Christmas with my family. And uh, I have been going full steam. In fact, um, let me do this, okay? Right, sure, go ahead. Go We're ahead. live. Okay. Stay with us, folks. Stay right here. Just, he, just, he's getting something. here is my report from the neurologist i got yesterday okay because i went through a whole series of tests yes you and and i you and i prayed over that yes yes and i have an absolute clear clear report um to continue on for the glory of god Well, let me ask you one important question. Did it improve your golf swing any? Because your golf swing needs a little improvement. Well, (laughs) all I can tell you is that they have not yet developed the technology (laughs) for my swing. Well, I'm sure they're working on it. (laughs) So what's in the future for Paul Craig Pano? What's what's coming up next for you? Well, the thing that that happened, Richard, um, I was home. And um, after my after my surgery, and I, w- I I went through a two week recovery, you know, just to get your mm-hmm. you know, your system back back together. And one of those days, I I was I had my my word, the scripture, and I was in Genesis chapter twelve, and in in verse three, God says. I will bless those who bless Israel. Mm-hmm. It's not a maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a law, and um, we know this all too well that God's God's laws work for everybody. Everyone. The law of gravity works whether you're a believer, whether you're a spirit baptized. It works. Right. 
And here is another law that God puts into, into action. He says, I will bless those who bless Israel. Um, you don't have to be a Christian or a good person. I believe, Richard, that one of the main reasons why God's blessing has rested upon the United States of America is because since 1948, we as a nation, with a few little hiccups along the way, we have put our support, not because they're always right. Sure. They're not always right, but our children aren't always right. That's right. But we still love them and we still stand with them. And um, that is, uh, I believe, one of the reasons why God's blessings have rested on the United States because we have taken that stand. I pray we well, when I, stay that way too. Amen. Um, very quickly, and, and you shut me off here if I. No, no, no. Go know. ahead. Okay. Um, when I saw that verse, there are two questions that came to my mind. Number one, how do I bless Israel? And number two, how is God going to bless me? Because mm -hmm. he says, you bless Israel, I'll bless you. Well, one of the ways, of course, is praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where, where the Lord took me was to I, um, Isaiah chapter 58. And when I went there, I, I thought, why, why am I being directed to Isaiah 58? Um, again, I know you've spoken from that chapter many, many times. Every time that, that uh, in our church that I would call our church to a time of fasting, we would always go to Isaiah 58 because Isaiah 58 is known as the fasting chapter. Right. And why am I going there? Well, very quickly, the first seven verses, God says to Israel, I called you to a fast. You're not in it. Mm -hmm. You're not in it. And when he keeps repeating it, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. When you get to verse, uh, verse seven, he says, is it not talking about the fast? And he outlines what, what the fast is and the fast he says in verse seven is to feed house and clothe the Jew. Mm -hmm. That's the Isaiah 58 fast has nothing to do with our giving up food or water. Then tell us how much time the context of the, now there are those kind of fasts sure. that are 40 day, 10 day, Daniel fast, 21 day. But the context of the Isaiah 58 <clears throat> fast is feeding, housing, clothing, the Jew. That's why when Jesus is talking about the kingdom and um, they're questioning him about it, Jesus says, how do you get in? He says, well, the goats are on the left, the sheep are on the right. How do we get on the sheep side? Jesus said, you saw me hungry and you fed me. Mm -hmm. You saw me naked and you clothed me. You saw me in prison and need and you came and helped me. And they said, Master, when did we see you like that? And Jesus said, when you do it unto the least of these, my brethren. Now, who were his brethren? Jesus came through a virgin Jew of the Holy Spirit. Yes. He was, he was, his physical manifestation was as a Jew. 
<clears throat> he was circumcised a Jew. He became a Jewish rabbi, something that shocks some people. But when you want to look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, his earthly ministry, not majority of it, the overwhelming, with only two exceptions that I have found, maybe you'll find another, only two exceptions did he minister to someone other than a Jew. Mm -hmm. They were all Jews. They weren't, they weren't Gentiles. And he kept so, the covenant as well as he kept the Jewish law. He, yes. said, he said everything that's been prophesied must come to pass. Yes. And he kept it and he fulfilled it. <laughs> hmm. And it's, we, st it's still being fulfilled today. To this very moment. Yeah. Yes, to this very moment. Well, when I, when I saw that, um, it, was, it was like a revelation to me that um, the blessing, one of the, of the main vehicles of blessing is giving a fast to Israel. A fast of food, housing, clothing. And then here, and I, 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 I'll stop with this. The very end of that verse, of verse 7, where he says in Isaiah 58, he says, feed them, house them, clothe them, talking about the Jew. But the very end of it, he says to Isaiah, and neglect not your own flesh, mm -hmm. which I believe is, is God allowing Isaiah to look down through the telescope of time and seeing a time when the Gentile was going to be brought in. Mm -hmm. And he says, hey, you minister, you feed, house, clothe, minister to the Jew, but don't forget to minister the same thing to your own flesh. Mm -hmm. And when you do, there are, beginning in verse 8, there are 20 blessings that God says, you get in the fast. And the reason that this meant so much to me, remember, do they have a picture? Uh, uh, absolutely, yes. We've had it up on the screen. Oh, it's, it's been up? Yeah. Okay. So you, you see the condition I was in. Mm -hmm. And that's, what, that's how I looked when I was reading this. And God says, because I don't like to fast. <laughs> I don't know anyone who does. <laughs> I, like, you know, I like to eat. But when he starts going through this, he says that your light will break forth and your recovery will speedily spring yeah. forth. Yeah. And when I saw laying in bed like I was, I said, I'm ready to fast. Yeah. You know, if it's 10 days, what are, I'm ready for a quick recovery. And he also says this over in, in verse um, in verse 11. He says, I'll satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. Mm -hmm. I had a skull that had been sure. in half. And that's when God said, Here's the, here is the revelation of a fast for you. It's not food and water, not this time. No, Isaiah 58 fast is feed, house, and clothe. And Richard, that's one of the reasons why God is blessing your ministry is because you are you. You are consumed. Every time I see you on, on the different venues, you are consumed with reaching out and touching people who are hurting. And, and Paul, what you're really talking about as I hear you uh, give the most beautiful explanation of Isaiah 58, what you're really talking about is the seed faith message that my father 
uh, pioneered, and your dad was very much a part of that, in that in the housing, the feeding, the clothing of the Jew, that is a seed. And all those blessings come back to us as a result of the seed that we plant. That's why what you're doing is so critically important, and I believe in it, and I support you in it 100%. And to see you now, you know, after all these years, a picture of health, your your hair is not quite as white as mine, but it's, you're working on it. Uh, you're a work <laughs> in progress. But, uh, but I, I thank God because it is a, it is a, a historical miracle what has happened in your life uh, all, yes. all through these years. And here you are today, the picture of health, still ministering, still preaching, still affecting pastors literally all over the world and affecting the nation of Israel. And I pray, uh, I agree with what you said a moment ago. Um, over the years, uh, except for a few hiccups, the, the United States has strongly supported Israel. And I'm praying, I'm praying that that does not change in the future. Yes, amen. Amen. Paul, tell me, um, if you had, if you had known, if you had known 20 years ago, what you know today, what changes do you think you might have made? Richard, that, um, that, that's a challenging, (laughs) I know somebody asked me that question the other day and I had a hard time answering it. Um, and, and one of the reasons is this is you mentioned 20 years in in the past 20 years the absolute revolution i'm not saying positive all the way but the revolution that has taken place within the evangelical community um it is it is so confusing um the changes that have taken place in the when i say church i'm talking about on the broad sense that have taken place in the church, um, things that 20 years ago we were very, very comfortable uh, in in being a part of, and and it was a, it was it was part of our being. Um, it's not the case anymore. Right. One of the biggest confusions is when we when we fail to separate conviction from preference. Mm-hmm. And where we really get messed up is when we take preferences and try to make them convictions. Mm-hmm. There are preferences of 20 years, or let's go back. Let's unite. Let's go back 40 years ago. One of the worst spankings I got as a kid was when I, I went to a movie mm-hmm. because it was, you know, we were raised, you did not go to the theater. That was the unpardonable sin. It was a terrible sin. And if the, I got spanked for it. And if the rapture came during the movie, you'd be left out. Yes. Now, fast forward to my children, <clears throat> because things had changed. And by the way, the movie that I went to see, the reason why I got the spanking for it, the, the movie was Old Yeller. <laughs> Get a spanking. Now, when my children got to the age of going to the movie, you know what? They went to the movie. And you know who took them? You. No, my dad. (laughs) That's even better. (laughs) See, you know, because we take we take um, preferences and try to make a a conviction of it. And that'll mess you. That'll mess you all up. 
And what really will mess us up is when we take convictions. And here's, this is critical. When we take convictions and we put them over in the preference side, this is, well, if you, if, if you like it, it, you know, accept it if you don't like it. And when you start taking the blood of Jesus and the, and the, and the law of the word and say, well, yeah, if you want to accept. It doesn't apply. It doesn't apply. Yeah. And, 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 and that's where the church today is facing some real crises. All right. If you had one, if you had one thing that you could say to a group of pastors today, I mean, pastors who are not only in the United States, but in Canada and nations overseas, if you had one statement you could make to a pastor today who needed help in his or her ministry, what would you say? Pray. We spend too much time going to conferences. We spend too much time getting everybody's uh, CD and their, of course, you know, I'm aging myself, uh, getting on to hear what everybody else has to say. We need to hear what God is saying. What God is saying. The last uh, years of my life, or my, my father's life, excuse me, and as I'm sure you know, he was not able to travel. And so he would have groups of ministers come into his home and he would allow them to ask him questions and then he would pray for them, lay hands on them. And many he would prophesy over. His, the gift of prophecy operated in him much more the last 10 years of his life than it ever operated before then because he wasn't able to, to go out as much. But one pastor said to him, Brother Roberts, if you could just say one thing to me, what would you say? And the quick as a flash, my dad said, Preach less and minister more. Mm. He said, so many pastors take all their time to preach until it's time to dismiss. And they never take time to minister to the people afterwards. He said, preach less and minister more. And I mm. thought that was a very telling, telling answer to that question. Uh, and, and that's something that I, I've learned in my life. I, I, I try, I've, I've never been a long preacher, a long-winded preacher. Uh, I always take the time to minister to people. And I, if I were speaking to pastors today, I would not only would tell them to pray, for, prayer, for I believe prayer is the key that unlocks the throne of God's mercy, but also I believe that we must take time to minister to the people. If we preach for half an hour, we need to take about 15 to 30 minutes of ministering to the people as well. Amen. That is so true. Yeah. Because as you said, there are a lot of situations where pastors walk off the platform when they're done and, and that's the end. Yeah. Paul, thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this podcast today. Uh, you and I took a little trip down memory lane, but we also talked about some very important things that people need to hear today. As we come to the close now, you as an ordained minister there in Indiana and with some 6,000 churches under your tutelage there, would you just pray over the needs of people right now? Richard, thank you. And let me just tell you what, what a blessing and an honor it has been to uh, just have this time to share with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, uh, there is no distance in prayer. We are your children, and we join our faith together and pray that you would um, take these moments, those that are listening, those that are, are watching, that you would strengthen by the power of your spirit, strengthen their faith, and whatever it is that is coming against them, we join our faith together and say what the enemy means for destruction and harm. God now is going to use it for 
his glory and for your good. Good is going to come out of your faith as you release it in Jesus' name. Amen. And my friend, just in the same way that God turned the tables on the devil, when it looked like this life-threatening surgery could literally take Paul out, but now fully recovered with all of his faculties in perfect working order, God is the same God to you who did that for Paul. And as he just said, there is no distance in prayer. And so I send the word to you, according to Psalm 107, verse 20, which says he sent his word and healed them and delivered Mm -hmm. them from their destruction. I pray God's blessing on your life. I speak to every sickness, every disease, every fear, and every doubt. And in the authority of the name of Jesus, I command Satan to take his hands off of your life. And I pray for healing, healing, healing to come into you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And I expect it because I believe the Lord hears me when I pray. And I'm expecting a miracle for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, thank you so very much for being my guest today. Join me next time on the Expect a Miracle podcast for another outstanding guest. And remember, I'm expecting something good to happen to you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. To order Oral's The Miracle of Seed Faith book, just go to oralroberts.com slash bookstore. In this classic timeless book, Oral shares the three biblical principles of seed time and harvest and how you can begin to expect miracles in your life. Go to oralroberts.com slash bookstore to order your copy today. And if you need prayer, go to oralroberts.com slash prayer or call the prayer group at 918-495-7777. We believe God wants you healed and whole in all areas of your life.